Imagine, if you will, taking a journey to the furthest boundaries of thought, where walls stand to contain what you think of as known reality. Imagine now, discovering that these walls are nothing but thoughts, made up to limit your experience as conscious being. These walls, when seen, crumble into the sea of nothing from whence they came, revealing what we refer to here as the Miracle Soup. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Miracle Soup with your host, Christoph Heinen. I hope everyone has survived that eclipse um, intact. <laughs> that really had me for a spin, I'll tell you. Whoa! But I'm um, hoping everyone's kind of finding themselves centered and, and heart-centered, which is the whole entire um, theme of today's podcast. We have as our guest today, Bruce Pardo. And Bruce has been a friend of mine for a number of years now. He is sort of a local fixture in the community here in um, Nevada City area. And um, he's got a really long biography here on his website, uh, heartfluency.com. And yeah, I'll probably read a little bit of it, but but basically, I, Bruce and I have known each other through various ups and downs, and I've seen his work grow, and I've seen his dedication as a uh, Dharma teacher um, expand, and I've seen his skills at speaking um, become more and more refined. I, I've always admired him for the eloquence with which he is able to deliver this kind of, of wisdom. Um, and also, what I want to say is that the night before this interview with Bruce, I had an incredibly difficult interaction with um, another individual, which really left me shaking. Um, and it, it, even into the next day, it was just, it really rattled me. And I almost thought, man, you know, fuck it. I'm going to just veg out and watch Netflix all day and just get high and eat ice cream. And I did eat um, a lot of ice cream, but and I did watch some Netflix, but I didn't just totally blow a day. Um, Bruce emailed me. He said he had a, a time in the afternoon and uh, and I was feeling like crap, but I just said, what the hell? Let's do this. And I'm so glad I did because the conversation um, really elevated my spirits. It really helped clear something. Um, it was it was really nourishing for me to hear this um, this offering that Bruce has. So um, I'm just going to read a little bit of his bio here. He's been, Bruce has been practicing meditation for the last 13 years, yada, yada. He's been uh, sharing Dharma teachings and he, in leading groups for 10 years. He started Heart Fluency you're going to hear all about this stuff. He spent two years total in meditation. He's been doing numerous uh, one, two, and three-month retreats. And so this guy has has gone deep. He's studied Feldenkrais and Hakomi and um, other schools of thought. Bruce, you're awesome, man. I'm not going to read this because it's kind of, it's dry for the podcast, but um, 
it, it's all here in the interview, ladies and gentlemen. It's all here. So sit back, relax, or continue doing whatever you're doing, and maybe don't relax if you need to focus on what you're doing. But um, I, I think this this interview will will really help. It, it provides some practical tools for um, dealing with the energy of these times, uh, for dealing with uh, the traumas that we have all inherited and all experienced, um, and just helping to, providing help with how to cope w- with being human in this experience on this planet at this time with other humans. This information I find is so valuable and so important. So without further ado, enjoy this interview with Bruce Bruce Pardo of Heart Fluency. Bruce, thanks so much for joining me today on Miracle Soup. I really appreciate you making the time. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Christoph. Thanks for having me. Great. Hey, I was wondering if we could start off with um, you telling us a little bit about the inception of heart fluency. Um, And specifically, I'm curious about how did heart fluency form and what was the sort of the painful factor or the shadow factor? What was the the suffering, if you will, that that led to this project being birthed that helps people uh, relieve suffering, essentially? You know, Christoph, one of the things that I'm drawn back to is I remember when I was maybe six years old and I heard that we grew enough food to feed everybody on the planet but that people were starving in their millions. Uh, And this was back in like, you know, 1970. Um, And my heart just, as a six-year-old, I was just, I felt this sense of heart sickness. Um, And I know that I've carried that with me, that kind of wound uh, um, through my life. Um, When I, uh, back in 2007, heard the saying that uh, Martin Luther King and Gandhi have used that actually originated with the Buddha, that um, hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone is healed. This is the ancient and eternal law. I felt in that, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, this is an obvious and immediate truth. As I reflected on it later, it's like, you know, when I feel hatred, I feel a coldness and contraction when I feel love, I feel warmth and expansiveness. So you can't relieve a cold contraction with more of the same. So this is a law, like, you know, gravity is a law. It almost feels like thermodynamics in a way. This is a natural law. So how could we, how could humanity recognize this as a law and live by it? You know, we're in relationship to gravity uh, all the time. So, that gave rise, as when I thought about that problem or possibility, um, that gave rise to the idea for an online forum that I called Ask Love, where you can, you know, so often when a conflict, you know, or a crisis happens and we want to either react or we pop up into our heads and we spin and we you know, we kind of respond from contraction. We respond from hatred uh, a lot of times. Um, it's like, how can we support each other in the midst of that 
of that aliveness, that realness, that uh, difficulty, challenge to meet the situation with love. And so that inspired the Ask Love um, uh, online forum where, you know, as a user, you can go and post your crisis or challenge on there and other people on the other members of the site would respond with what would be an open-hearted way of meeting that challenge. So as I was getting ready to launch that site, I, um, uh, I thought, well, you know, oh, you know, listen to your heart, speak from the heart. These are very basic human things. I'm going to put up this forum and people are going to feel real comfortable communicating on here. But maybe I should have a practice for them to use. And in the moment that that, that, that you know, kind of question or that possibility arose, it was like, oh, I would do this. Whoop. And there it was. And that was the heart fluency practice. And, uh, um, and what happened is I think in my, I've done a lot of, heart fluency is not a meditation practice per se, although it can be the basis of one. It's actually a way of, you know, orienting and living and leading from your heart ultimately to help heal emotions, you know, emotional issues and navigate your world with skillfulness and wisdom. Um, but uh, I have been a long-term meditator um, and uh, I've done a lot of long, you know, silent retreats in the one, two, three month range. I've spent over two years on retreat and I've been teaching uh, meditation for the last 10 years, but Oh, bad, you know, a long time ago, um, I did a two-month retreat and then followed that up with a three-month retreat. And on that retreat arose this just trauma, you know, primal terror and fear. Um, and with that, you know, came this hypervigilance, like my system, it was like my system had a periscope up scanning the horizon for threats all the time, 24-7. And it was while you were just sitting there in meditation retreat. Yeah, because I, you know, one of the things that happens, um, and it's it's actually a really beautiful process of purification. But you make all this space on a on a retreat, and it kind of decompresses your system. And up might arise something from really really deep within your psyche or karma or who knows what. You know, it's just something that you haven't been in touch with comes to the surface, and it can be. You know, I like to think of it as kind of a terrible gift. Um, uh, but in this case, it was really, really profound. Um, it caused me to have sciatica. Um, I, uh, you know, experienced a lot of anxiety. I started having panic attacks. Um, it, it was very, very intense. And the heartbreaking thing about it was that... Um, the heartbreaking thing about it was that, you know, meditation practice in the Vipassana tradition is taught by Spirit Rock and Insight Meditation Society um, and our local Mountain Stream Meditation Center here in Nevada City. Um, it, the meditation alone was not leading to a full resolution of uh, the hypervigilance the, the intensity of the trauma experiences, you know, energy 
arising in my system and, you know, just a, a nagging and consistent sort of anxiety. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm taking a long time to answer your initial question, but I'm, I want to chunk up and give you- No, the... you're on it. You're doing great. Okay, great. Um, the, um, so when, I, when heart fluency, so I'd, I'd, I'd been dealing with this trauma anxiety, meditation was certainly helping to hold it, and I think it was slowly chipping away at it. Um, but uh, when I developed the heart, flu when the heart fluency method literally came to me as a download, I initially thought, you know, oh, so here's another skillful means, you know, another practice or tool, and there's a billion of them, um, you know, great. My focus is still really on getting the Ask Love Forum going. And uh, um, I kind of didn't put a lot of attention or energy into the heart fluency practice. Um, when, I launched, uh, when I launched Ask Love, uh, and I got a couple hundred people onto the forum, but the dialogue, the the vibrancy never really got going. I mean, there were some really beautiful things that were put on there, very profound, but there just wasn't that, it didn't hit that critical mass. And as I talked to people who were using it, they were saying, well, you know, actually I feel somewhat um, self-conscious about participating on Ask Love because um, I don't know how to tell the difference between my head speaking and my heart speaking. Mm -hmm. And um, I, uh, um, so I don't feel, uh, I don't know how to access my heart's wisdom. And that's when I realized it's like, oh, I put the forum out before I developed the community. Yep. So now I need to start doing some heart fluency trainings in the same way that I teach, you know, uh, people uh, insight meditation series of trainings. I need to do these heart fluency trainings. So as I did that, I started doing some webinars, and on one of the webinars was a, um, a very experienced um, licensed therapist who also has a lot of grounding in a lot of other traditions like Course in Miracles, Way of Mastery, Cellular Memory Release, and you name it, um, Total Transformation Course, on and on. Um, and she had a big breakthrough when I did just a few minutes of heart fluency with her. And she came back to me uh, the next day and said, hey, you're really on to something here. Let's develop this. You know, let's, uh, I'd like to do some trade, some sessions with you. Um, and so we started trading sessions. And as we did over time, and in not that many sessions, I started to notice that hypervigilance all of a sudden was like, and it was kind of like, Christoph, you know, the refrigerator's humming in the background, and then all of a sudden it turns off, and it's like, oh, this is what silence is. Wow. Yeah, and so within a few sessions of doing heart fluency with each other, I mean, for me, it, that was just starting to, it gave me clarity in one of the most intense and difficult times of my life. I was going through a major, major, wrenching life transition um, at that moment. And it gave me clarity in making the decision about that and also in navigating that. Mm. Um, and so then I started offering it as a, uh, you know, as kind of a, 
a therapeutic modality, hour-long sessions um, to people. And they started having very profound experiences of um, being able to meet their emotions and their emotional intensity, you know, even trauma, anxiety, or, you know, negative belief systems like I'm not worthy or shame or, you know, deep guilt or uh, self-hatred, um, that they were meeting these energies in their bodies with a sense in a heart-centric way that's providing them a resourcing and a nourishment in the moment. And when you can hold your experience, when it's nourished and resourced, at the same time as you're allowing it to, you know, express and unwind and unfold, that creates this, it's this balance point. And that's the problem. That's the key that heart fluency has kind of solved. It's finessed what in spiritual circles would be called purification. Hmm. Um, and so then once you have that experience of maybe a really old pattern that stems all the way down from your child, you know, really early childhood or who knows, maybe even beyond, um, when that releases and relaxes in an authentic and real way, then what you're left with is the basic nature of heart and mind, which is a spacious, connected, very insightful, loving okayness and wholeness that is available to meet the moment in the most appropriate way. Um, whatever situation might be arising, whatever degree of intensity might be there. So that's, that's a really long answer to your beautiful. That's a great answer. I, I appreciate it. I, um, yeah, there's sort of this um, golden thread kind of weaving itself through the different interviews that I've been yeah. having here on the show. And it's really miraculous. And there's definitely a theme of trauma that keeps coming up and how trauma, more studies are showing that that is actually the, the real fundamental cause of addictions and, and so many of the addictive crises you know, happening right now because people are in so much pain and they're seeking for ways to not feel the pain and to get out of it. I'm curious if on your retreat, uh, and you don't have to get into personal specifics, but was it a specific memory you had or was just an overall feeling that was just coming up and taking over your system? Yeah, really great question, Christoph. It was nonspecific. There was yeah. not, yeah, it was a primal, the energy was so overwhelming and overpowering and it, it had very much of an upward movement that took me out of my body into my head where my head was, you know, even though I'm on a retreat and in the Vipassana tradition, it's very much of an embodiment sort of open awareness type of type of tradition where you just with your organic embodiment in an, in a present open non-judgmental way, this energy was so powerful. It was really popping me into my head. And all I was left with was, you know, this, my mind wanted to spin and scheme and try and figure out something, get some kind of an answer and get me to some place that was going to be safe. And so I literally, for the remaining six weeks of that retreat, just watched my mind spin out of control, you know, and, and, and over the same material again and again, hoping it was going to find something uh, to land on. And then there would be, you know, the ability to be in my body 
but my body was shaking and very, um, it was, you know, very, very uncomfortable. Mm. And so it was kind of like, you know, being with a freight train that, you know, at some level, I wish I had known then the capacity kind of to step out of the way and just let the freight train roll. Instead of trying to um, hold it back or manipulate it in any way. Exactly. It's just give it, give it the space to let it roar for a while. And sometimes that's what we have to do. But can we do that in a way that allows us to be in a sense where the freight train isn't, you know, I'll use the sky and clouds model. If the freight train is a cloud, we don't want the freight train to be bigger than the sky. You know, we want the sky of our awareness to be in a sense able to hold that, you know, that cloud, even if it's a huge, you know, hurricane that lasts for, you know, hours, days, weeks, months, years. Um, And so, and then it becomes less about the freight train or the cloud and it becomes more about our orientation, Mm. you know, and our ability to, Our, our ability to be sustained. Um, with, with the awareness of, of, of watching? Yeah, and it's not, just, it's not a cold observational, you know, clinical uh, kind of observing, uh, you know, like a scientist looking at an amoeba on a, uh, you know, on a, on a slide. Um, it's, you know, the clouds pass through the sky as part of the sky. So can there be a spaciousness yet also intimacy so that this, whatever it is, has the opportunity to um, inform our system because it is a terrible gift. It's something that has been held that has been pushed down, suppressed in whatever way, maybe not consciously, but it's been held down and it hasn't been able to just unwind in the light of a caring, balanced attentiveness. Um, You know, it's kind of like how a child is, like a, a real world child that maybe, you know, gets frightened or skins its knee or, or whatever. And, you know, if there's a mature, caring adult who's available, the, the adult will, you know, come over, maybe put the child on the knee, you know, and, uh, and just be very caring and hold space and be really balanced in themselves. They're not get the, the child might be overwhelmed, but the adult isn't overwhelmed by the child state. Mm-hmm. The adult is really, you know, just making the space for that child to unwind. Um, and, and, and if you give it enough time, the child will unwind. And it's the same thing with our emotions and our deepest patterns. If we can, you know, allow that space to be there, then it's kind of like how the adult in the, in the outside real world holds an upset child. But so often, Christoph, what happens, and you were talking about addictions earlier, so often what happens is like that internal challenging you know energy that's freaked out and upset comes up and we're like oh crap i don't want to feel this and so we run to the fridge and get a beer or light something up or pop a pill 
or, you know, turn on Netflix or, you know, do whatever that we can to, in a sense, you know, abandon and dissociate um, uh, or suppress. And it's kind of like if you were in, once again, with a real world child, you know, and that child came to you and it was hurt or upset and you said, hey, get the hell out of here. It's not okay for you to feel the way that you do. I don't want to ever see this again. Go the hell back to your room. You know, don't present this to me, you know, and the child might go to its room, but it's just going to sit in there getting more and more neurotic and freaked out and upset. And, you know, and so the same thing when we push away and don't allow those and, and, you know, it's, it's so important that we feel unconditionally resourced in the moment so that when that energy arises, that roaring, you know, there's the, the trauma healing book out there called uh, Waking the Tiger. Yeah. Because when you touch a piece of trauma, the whole thing can, you know, just roar to the surface and overtake you in a moment. So what, you, what your system really needs to start doing, and this is where heart fluency, I think, I mean, you have, for me in my own personal experience, this is what helped me overcome my trauma. Um, and to have it be something that has become a gift uh, at this point. And that is more and more I've met those energies and I felt the unconditional capacity of the heart of my heart, awareness itself, mm -hmm. to meet and hold whatever was coming through. And even if I got, you know, totally overwhelmed knocked you know ass over tea kettle uh for a while i knew that i would be able to come back and that you know that's uh, like it's a, it's okay if i got overwhelmed it's okay if i got you know sent through the tumbler um i i have the rock solid confidence that i will come back into you know essentially neural regulation and that my continued meeting of this energy in whatever way it organically wants to express will inure and lead towards resolution, healing, and then empowerment. Because now my happiness, my well-being, uh, my availability, my openness are more and more unconditional. Right. And so with every time that happens and every recognition, it's like, oh, wow. You know, I get to celebrate those moments mm -hmm. and it's just delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and it relies less and less on external circumstances looking a certain way because you have this, this spaciousness, this sky, which you're in touch with and is always there. Yes, it, yeah. it, 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 that's absolutely true. And I, I want to say something because you're talking about trauma and the shadow piece that I think is, it's interesting as I come to this, you know, from a tradition, you know, I've, 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 having been, I, I would say, informed by a 2,600-year-old tradition in the form <laughs> of And, um, you know, when you look at what, if, if you look at the suttas or the sutras uh, that are the direct teachings and discourses of the Buddha, and they're very kind of, you know, in dealing with 
you know, emotional intensity and, and, and negative patterns, they're, they're kind of pretty cut and dry. And I think that at this time, 2,600 years later, there has been so much global species-wide trauma mm -hmm. that has happened in that time um, that we as a, you know, we as a species, we as, a, as an energetic field, you know, we're coming to this place now in the evolution and development of our species where we're actually able on a broader scale to, in a sense, meet and process that trauma. And I think that's really coming out now. Yeah. And we need more, you know, developed tools at this time in our juncture um, that, that, that have more refinements in them to be able to meet this, you know, kind of epigenetic, cellular, cultural, uh, species-wide trauma that exists, you know, throughout the world. You know, it's traumatic enough just to come out of the womb. Yeah. Um, you Especially know, in modern day birthing practices and yeah. And, and then it's also traumatic. You know, the biggest trauma of all is that we wall ourselves off and we feel a sense of separation. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a little baby, when it comes out, doesn't have words. It doesn't have a sense of inside and outside. There's just experience happening and being known. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't have a sense of me here and that out there. It's just, you know, it's, it's in the moment. Um, but then at some point, something happens that's charged enough and that little infant, you know, uh, goes over threshold. It go, it's neurologically overwhelmed. It goes over threshold. The freeze response happens and that lays down a contraction that doesn't release in the soma or body as well as in the neurology. And so what that contraction, you know, at everything, even an amoeba, if you put a negative stimuli by it, contracts away from it, mm -hmm. right? That's not a problem. But when it sticks, it leaves a message inside that, oh, protection is needed. And this is the foundation of all of our confusion and all of the ills of our world. Um, the, you know, protection is needed which sets up a, there's me in here and there's that out there, the me that needs to be protected from that out there. And if I'm a pre-verbal infant, the only tools I have, I, I want to get more of what I like, which sets up a greed strategy, or I want to keep away what I don't like, which sets up an aversive strategy. So now we've got a misunderstanding, a confusion, really a delusion, you know, it's delusional to think that we are separate. So we've got a delusion that is, you know, whose two main active forces of maintaining itself are greed and hatred. <laughs> and so this is, you know, to me, this is the biggest trauma of all. Um, and it's, uh, you know, this is the ultimate... Um, wound that we're all trying to heal yeah this lifetime and and that's like basically the the birth or the inception of the ego essentially i mean i mean that's what it is it's just like this 
this belief in a separate entity that's constantly pushing away or or grasping for for its survival and and then back to the trauma piece because the the main part of trauma almost a defining characteristic of tra- trauma in my experience is this, is the cyclical looping that you were talking about and so these stories just go over and over reinforcing constantly this this delusion and i'm curious <laughs> where the question is going with that is as i'm curious so if you could give the listeners just like a taste of how the process of heart fluency um, ties in. So when you notice the the traumatic looping, how does the heart fluency kind of interject and and, um, how how do you unwind that? Right, 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 right. So the, you know, first of all, the ego is in a sense, it's formed based on a trauma response. The neurology is overwhelmed, right? The neurology is overwhelmed. It pops us over the threshold of capacity of our nervous system to hold the intensity of activation of some stimuli. I know I'm talking really geeky right now. That's fascinating. I love this talk. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. This is my lingo, man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, the ego likes good explanations. So... (laughs) (laughs) But no, so so understanding that the entire egoic structure rests on an initial trauma response. So we get popped over our threshold and our ability to to handle neurological stimulation and freeze, boom. Oh my God. Right? So this sets into both the neural networks. So there's neuroplasticity that forms around that. And there's a freeze that gets stuck in the body, in the soma, okay? And frankly, in our energetic field. So let's understand that the ego forms from trauma. So where does heart fluency fit in? First of all, heart fluency is taking you, and uh, uh, well, the other thing I wanna say is that you, you lit upon something that's really you know, a key thing. I'm, I'm actually doing you know, a series of short videos that. The first one's coming out tomorrow. It's going to be on the Heart Fluency um, Facebook page, and it's kind of a what is heart fluency, um, and that's Friday, I guess, August 2nd. Um, and, uh, and then the next one is going to be about what is an emotion, and it's going to include a little bit about how emotions and thoughts you know, feed each other, but an emotion always has sensation in it. It has neurological intensity in the body in it we call them feelings because we feel them and what happens is there's a feedback loop between the thoughts you'll have a thought maybe and that'll trigger off an emotion a somatic response in your body and then maybe there's fear because of that or maybe there's joy i'm gonna go see my sweetie in san francisco wow yay joy you know i've got to you know i've got to go to an irs audit Ooh, fear you know um the so the the uh, and and you know an emotional quality might be there you know it's like i might be sitting there and go you know that is a really ugly plant i i don't like that plant and then you know a couple of moments later i'm like what a lousy day you know this is a is a cruddy day my pants are too tight you know da 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 and so i start having these thoughts that are all kind of aversive and and if i check in, I might notice, oh, there's an emotional situation. 
that's present in my body. So emotions feed thoughts, thoughts feed emotions, and they get in this feedback loop and they can whip themselves out of control. So here's what heart fluency does. With heart fluency, we start just wherever you are in the moment with what's alive in the moment. We're not picking, we're not choosing, it's just whatever's presenting, okay? The first thing, everything in handling emotional intensity rests on the tip of recognition. You gotta be able to stop and recognize, oh, I'm triggered because so often we just go into automatic, either we react and regret it, or we pop into our heads and we just spin, spin, spin and scheme. And that just feeds the emotional, you know, it, we're trying to use the rational part of our mind to me. If, if we're triggered, it's a, you know, it's triggering off an emotional response, right? So that's an emotionally driven irrational process. And we're trying to meet it with the rational part of our overall mind. And so it doesn't work. So that's why we spin and scheme because we're not going to get the answer. We're not going to figure it out. You've got to feel it to heal it. So with heart fluency, you know, the first thing is just to recognize and then, you know, to get out of your head into your heart space and feel directly the aliveness of the situation and be able to monitor your activation in a way. And so this is something that we really work with very much in depth in the trainings is teaching you how to monitor your activation in a clear and obvious way and to give you a set of tools that enables you to, if you're going over threshold and you can recognize because the mind starts spinning, the energy's moving up in your body, maybe your mouth goes dry, maybe you, know, uh, maybe you break out in a sweat, you know, maybe your breathing gets really rapid. Maybe, you know, you feel your awareness dissociating from your body. You know, there's all kinds of different markers that are there that indicate, oops, I'm, I'm beginning to go over threshold. What are some direct embodied techniques and tools I can use in the moment to bring myself back down? And, and these have to be, you know, ultimately you know, take you all the way to kind of the absolute place. So, um, so we really work with helping you, you know, be nourished by your heart. And what you're doing with heart fluency, and this is, I think, one of the real beauties of it, is you're dropping into what is always and already awake in your system. You're dropping into the sky which cannot be harmed or imbalanced by any of the clouds that move into it. So with heart fluency, we drop you into a direct connection with your basic innate sky-like capacity. There's nothing that's being created. There's nothing you have to do or figure out or interpret or get right or even to understand. And that's a huge point. You don't have to understand anything. You, you actually don't have a job. Your job is simply, am I staying, you know, at what is my, your job is in monitoring your orientation and your neural activation. And so if you can do that, and that's what I, I think our trainings are, you know, really, really powerful at doing that. Um, there's some wonderful testimonials on the Facebook page as well. Um, can I just interject for one second? I just want to clear something up. So when you talk about the heart, 
Now, I think a lot of people, me included, I don't feel my heart very much, Bruce. <laughs> like when you talk yeah. about the heart, like there's been times when I, I'm feeling so in love with, with someone or, or, or maybe a, a vista, a scene, and, and I feel my heart expanding, but it's not something that I really feel very often. So when you're talking about heart, I'm kind of getting a sense you're, you're using heart synonymously with the spatial awareness. I, I, am I right? So there's the, you know, you're right in, um, uh, you're very much right. Um, you know, there's the emotional and, um, what is it? The, uh, emotional and relational heart and that opens and closes. It has reactivity and there's an intelligence to that opening and closing, but then there's the heart of the heart, which is the seat of our basic goodness Hmm. Uh, our caring and connectivity it's really the seat of our unity and when you know a tibetan points to their mind a tibetan uh monk points to their mind they don't point to the head they point to the heart hmm. and when uh we don't go when we say this is me we don't point to our head we point to our heart mm -hmm. so we know that this is the heart of the matter this is the core and this is the seat of awareness in our embodied uh, form. Um, in meditation practice, something that becomes quite clear is that your center of awareness and consciousness drops actually from your head to your heart before it starts moving out to everything. Hmm. And so the, the, this is the, 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 the heart is where you drop in. And when we use that, that energetic space, the heart has the most capacity to align the other you know, chakras or center, energetic centers of your, I like the word suchness, but I'll say beingness. Um, and uh, uh, so the, and how to feel that is that, you know, how do you touch the sky? You know, it's not something you can hold in your hand and even words don't really do it justice, but the quality of holding your experience in and, you know, it's kind of like knowing, is it okay to be with this experience? Am I, Am I receptive? Am I spacious yet intimate? Am I balanced? Am I caring? Am I um, patient? Uh, with, in the same way that, once again, a, a real world adult would be with a real world upset child. Mm -hmm. You know, and those, the energetic feel of that, the feel of balance um, is something that you can connect with. But what I can imagine, Christoph, is that, you know, you could feel your heart right now. Would you like to? Yeah. Okay. So um, whichever hand feels appropriate to you, um, maybe take one of your hands and put it on your heart space. And just close your eyes. Drop your attention into the space of your heart. And notice if you're sensing anything. Is there any sense in your heart space of warmth or coolness, lightness or expansiveness, heaviness, soft, light, uh, I mean, uh, softness, hardness, 
Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like a sense of meanness uh, and a warmth and just like a, a presence, like a safe presence. Uh huh. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And so, and is there, would you say that there's any either contractive or expansive qualities there? Yeah, it's more expansive, I'd say. Definitely. Yeah. There certainly doesn't have to be, but is there any sense of a color associated with what's happening in your heart? So it certainly doesn't have to be. Sometimes there is. You know, the, the first color that popped up is green, and I don't know if that's just association because that's the right, right, technical right. color, but, but that's what popped up. Yeah. And uh, is there any sense of like luminosity, like a glowing quality, or is it dark? Doesn't have to be, once again, any. Yeah, it's more just. Um, kind of flat, not really glowing or, or dark, just kind right, of right. nondescript. Yeah. So that's an experience of the, that's an experience of the heart. Those are the elements of the phenomena of experience. And then there was also the attention that was attending to, you know, and uh, the, the experience. And, you know, so what we would do in heart fluency is we would look at those qualities of the attention that, you know, it was okay for you to be with that. Mm -hmm. you know, there was curiosity, there was, you know, some patience, um, some balance, you know, all of those things. So when we can include in our attentiveness, in our awareness in the moment, both the qualities of the attention itself and the phenomena of experience, whether they are beautiful and lovely or whether they are challenging and difficult when we conclude both of those the the beautiful and lovely things expand in the space of the sky mm. and saturate the sky with their helpful skillful qualities the challenging difficult things always have tension and contraction in them and in the space of the sky they tend to relax and unwind mm. and so that's what's happening there yeah. So, so, okay. So part one is to recognize. So part one is to recognize. And then to the next one part is, you know, to drop in and to be able to hold your space. Mm. Um, and the third, uh, you know, to, to hold your space and just allow a healing process to unfold. We start at the heart and then we open up to the entire body. The next thing that happens is, you know, as we're moving along with this, and sometimes that's enough. That's all we need. But if you want to invite insight, then heart fluency offers a pretty simple way of, uh, of inquiry. It's very gentle, very open, and um, non-forcing uh, um, that invites insight to deepen emerge reveal um uh and in doing that it also softens blockages around heavily defended material you know yeah so it's uh it's got uh, th that's another piece of it and that actually comes from uh i'm a big fan of ramana maharshi and that comes from the advaita tradition um and i I'd like to say that, you know, I've been informed by these different traditions, but that heart fluency is really, in the way that we construct trainings, is to make it available to you in the moment so that it becomes, the. I think the measure of a good practice is how quickly you can drop it because you've become it. 
Um, and so the whole idea is to use, you know, a variety of different settings and circumstances to help you gain this confidence that you can live and lead from your heart, nourished and balanced by it in any moment, um, and that people experience an integrated embodied shift. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's the shift from, from making decisions and getting information from the cyclical traumatic um, thought cycles into just like the fresh wisdom of, of that heart space, spaciousness. So, yes. Um, I mean, the space, it's recognizing that the space itself is intelligent. It's right. the pinnacle of wisdom. So you wouldn't, you know, the, our rational, you know, intellects, conceptual, verbal, they are wonderful aspects and qualities of our overall mind. They're incredible. Um, and heart fluency celebrates and utilizes the intellect. But right now we're in a very head-driven culture. We're very much, you know, science and technology and figuring out stuff is where our world is at. Um, it's a big step up, up, up above the might makes right. That was, you know, uh, a huge part of humanity until a few hundred years ago. It's still very much, you know, a driving force in humanity. But I think we're ready to make this global shift from the head to the heart and recognizing that when we lead from our heads, we're only using that linear analytical aspect of mind that freezes things and separates them out. It's dualistic. Um, I mean, it's great to be able to use words in the moment, but uh, um, uh, we're only using one aspect of our overall mind. When we drop into our hearts and just feel the aliveness that we drop out of stories, images, words, concepts into that direct aliveness, and we allow the situation to unfold and inform. And so, and then we open up not only to, you know, we open up to our creativity. You know, we're in, we live in a field of possibility. Quantum, you know, mechanics and, and physics tells us that we live in a, a field of potentiality and that which manifests is due to causes and conditions. Um, and so, uh, so we're tapping that field of creativity, kind of the universal field. Um, we also open up to in below our navel is, you know, the gut brain, which is our, you know, the center of our intuition um, and, you know, the gut feeling uh, or our instinctual uh, intelligence. Um, the heart itself has relational and emotional, you know, you, intelligence, you might call it empathic intelligence. And then, you know, the heart of the heart itself is really, you know, the, the underlying substrate of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so when we drop into our hearts and out of our heads and the stories, we're dropping out of that layer of interpretation that's always secondhand news. And we're dropping into that direct experience right where it meets awareness so that the process unfolds and moves. It's organic. It's informing and it's drawing on, you know, it's drawing on the intellect, it's drawing on creativity, it's drawing on intuition, it's drawing on empathic intelligence, it's drawing on universal intelligence. Yeah, and it's drawing on, on something fresh. It's not just recycling the past over and over, it, it, which is just 
Yeah, I, think, I love that word fresh. And it's also, you know, as opposed to the head, which is, you know, supposedly linear, this is organic and quantum. Um, you know, and so then we get stuff from out of, you know, they say out of left field. Yeah, totally. Man, this is good stuff, Bruce. This is, this is great. Um, number three, I'm, I'm so, so, so you, you, you kind of stop and recognize, you drop into your heart space. And, and part three, you said was an inquiry. So are you asking specific guidance or yeah. is it more like um, self-inquiry kind of? Right. It's a more open-ended inquiry. And this is what, what can really get into an art piece. So if you meet something that's heavily defended, if the energy flow gets stuck and stops, uh, or things become really murky, or dissociation is happening, or um, uh, things just get dull. Um, you know that can be a moment to use the the, the open inquiry piece. Um, also, though, if you just are as you get familiar with the practice and this is something that comes alive you know as you continue to practice get familiar with the practice and that begins to um it's it's all like you 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 develop another set of antennae for insight and you'll just sense the moment where it's like you're not even you're just kind of going hmm inside and you know, something pops through yeah. that is informing your system in, in some way. So it's, you're already open and receptive when you've dropped in, but when you acknowledge that, when you use that skillfully, um, it creates kind of a portal that massages the field of the quantum field. Uh, and, you know, if something comes through, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Yeah, uh, because it just means stay the course. Yeah, I had an experience yesterday. I was in a meditation group and I had all these questions of how I was going to do this and this and this. And then it was just by um, just getting quiet within this space in my body. And then, and then these inspirations just like came like little laser beams from from some pure place. And it was like the answers were just there. It wasn't a matter of figuring or trying to get, it was just like a, a receiving like the, like, duh, of course. So I, I think that sort of alludes yeah. what, what you're talking to talking about. Um, we're kind of getting close to our hour. I'm wondering, so if you could just um, sort of guide people towards um, what the trainings are all about and, and how to, how to get more um, information around your work. Yeah. So one of, the things that I do for people that I would really encourage your listeners to definitely do do it sooner rather than later because we've got training coming up on October 10th and I just found out today that Doug Kraft is uh, going to be leading this with me and he's a really deep you know therapist uh, teacher um, in the Buddhist tradition author um, and just a, a a very wonderful guide. So he's going to be joining me as a co-facilitator um, and uh, 24 people only at a time. Um, what I offer people is a free heal with the heart consultation. Typically takes 45 minutes to an hour. We do it over Zoom. If you email me at info at asklove.org, 
um, and just say you, you're interested in a, in a, in a consult or connecting, um, I'll schedule you in. Um, you can also message me on Facebook. Um, I'm Bruce Pardo. Uh, and so I have a personal page at Bruce Pardo and Pardo is spelled P as in Peter, A-R-D as in dog, O-E. Um, and, uh, or there's the heart fluency page. You can see the, the training event is, is up there. You can show interest there. Um, and I'll get in touch with you. You know, you can just on the heart fluency Facebook page, there's a button you can push and I'll, I'll get in touch with you for a session. Um, so in those, what I do is, um, I just help you get really, really clear about what what issues you're working with and what you'd like to accomplish and then I can give you some recommendations that can be used you know directly in the moment for you to meet experience and then if you feel like from there you're interested in a training you know and what it can provide then yay uh, I'd love to support you and, and, and help out um, the trainings are basically themselves we use this multi you know, there's, there's kind of four legs to the stool. Um, and that's because we want you to engage with the practice over a six week period in as many ways as possible so that you've dropped the practice and you've become it at, to some degree. Um, we're looking for that embodied shift. You know, not only do you need it, but our world needs it. Mm. Um, so what we do is we combine, we have six, two and a half hour classes they're, um, they're offered online via Zoom. Um, and they're very experiential, kind of light on all the, you know, conceptual framework. Um, and uh, then we have in, in between each week, uh, and then they're Thursdays from 5 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Um, in between each class, we have a one-hour session with, uh, there's me, Doug, and Sarah Fighter, um, who are going to be facilitating this, and you'll have sessions with each of us, uh, of one session per week. Uh, so that's where you get to go in really deep into your own process and, and your own particular patterns. Um, and then uh, we use the Ask Love format, a private version of the Ask Love forum for you to ask and respond to questions using the heart fluency technique. So it's one thing to learn a language and, you know, be able to read it and understand it. It's a completely different thing to speak it and have it be received, especially when you're doing that onto a screen. Um, so it, the format of working with a forum is incredibly powerful at working through layers of the psyche and ego and it really also, from a neurological perspective, it's really working with a lot of neurological aspects that help to ingrain. So it's a very important piece of the practice of the training. Um, and then we also have daily intentional and kind of monitoring practices that we call celebrations, where you celebrate and acknowledge when did heart fluency just arise for you in a moment, in a day? Hmm. When did you meet an experience that was either beautiful or challenging? And, you know, and actually use the practice to get the most out of that experience. Um, and so this creates a, uh, a sensitivity within you and a, um, an enthusiasm that feeds on itself 
that starts replicating and snowballing the practice in your you know day-to-day life and so by the end of six weeks um you know our commitment is that if you've engaged with us uh we you know we're very confident that we're going to see an embodied shift for you um and so and i will say this you know of the people that have taken the training over two-thirds are continuing on with we have advanced offerings in the form of day-long retreats we're going to be bringing in residential retreats there's advanced level courses that get into advanced areas of inquiry Um, oh and the other thing that i'd like to say is that if you because of the model that we're using that's working with just neurological intensity it makes it easier to ramp up people in the practice. And so for people who are aspiring coaches or therapists or current um, or healers, um, this can be something you add to your practice or we can train you to become a heart fluency trainer in a relatively rapid period of time so that you can, um, you know, we're, we're trying to bring this out uh, onto the broader scale, work with more and more people. And then we'll launch a public version of the Ask Love site and we'll have the, the trainings feeding on Ask Love and Ask Love feeding into the trainings. And that's where, you know, if it goes viral, that could really make a, a, be a real positive impact for our world. So that's our, our, our broader, you know, kind of global vision. That's um, a fascinating vision. That's, that's awesome. It's, it's been really amazing too to see because I've known you s- since sort of you, you came up with this and it's been beautiful to, to see how this thing is growing. And I, I, hope, um, I hope our listeners really, really, really check this out. I think it, there's, a, there's a lot there, a lot of a good, good medicine for, right for people. Yeah. Great to talk to you, Bruce. I really appreciate it. And um, I was just thinking as you were talking, I, I really appreciate how eloquent you are. And, and I can really tell when I'm talking to someone who's meditated a lot because <laughs> it's just like you're talking to someone who's really able to go deep. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's unlike talking, um, you know, the small talk on the street. So I, I really appreciate our conversation. Thanks so much. Wow, Christoph, thank you so much. And, and uh, to the listeners out there, you know, may you have a heartful life. We care. Nice. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Pardo with Heart Fluency. Wow, what a bunch of nuggets. I hope that um, you got from that. That was that was. That was a really enjoyable session for me. I wanted to let everybody know that Bruce has offered um, a 20% discount to anyone who feels called to uh, enroll in the heart fluency training. So um, this is specific to you, my beloved audience, people of the Miracle Soup tribe. If you feel interested, um, then you know, make sure that when you do a one of the free heart fluency sessions with Bruce, that you mention you heard about it on Miracle Soup, and he'll give you twenty percent off the, you know, the the um, whatever it's called price. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to um, who feels called, if this resonates with you, go ahead and get a f- dude. It's free, man. And Bruce is not like a selly guy, so I'm. It's not like you know, it's not a sales pitch. I I really. Um, you know, his, his heart's in it. He's doing this more to, to help people and 
to give people uh, these tools and to give them an experience of this download that he received of this work that can help with all the things that we talked about on the podcast. I'm not going to go over again to bore everybody, but um, essentially, um, yeah, you can't really lose out on anything. It's a free, I think it's a 45 minute session. Just go to heartfluency.com, you check it out and you'll get a free session. I totally signed up for one. I emailed him like right afterwards and I said, man, yes, thank you that episode helped me and uh, signed me up. So we got a time and I'm going to be having my heart fluency session um, coming up in like a couple weeks or something. So I'm stoked. Yes. You have to feel it to heal it. That's all. I had a good one, man. Yeah. You can't keep, you know, you can't keep suppressing it and you know, only so much ice cream is is going to fit in your stomach are so many like episodes before or so many drugs. Like eventually it's all, it all just doesn't work anymore and you have to feel it. And then you have to learn what to do with these emotions. So another one, hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone, yada, yada, however it goes, that's, um, Jesus, you know, what if we could just have that really implanted in our collective memory? What would that do to the planet? You know, and stopping, stopping the uh, the finger pointing and and the firing back of uh, more damaging rounds of ammunition just to make that other person feel more hurt than than you are somehow in some sick twisted logic that that would make your suffering be relieved, but it doesn't. It only makes it worse, people. It's the madness has to stop. We have to stop this, this reactiveness. You know, it's just, it almost seems like it's just accumulating more and more in the, in this, in this cloud of humanity where you're just hearing it on the news and, and, and seeing the macrocosm, you know, Paul talked about that a few episodes ago, the, the macrocosm of all of the dysfunction and the and the violence and the Wetiko, um you know the ego running amok and then seeing it, it microcosmically within family units and within communities and within even meditation groups and this kind of thing and it's like whoa let's just um take a deep breath right one number one was recognize so stop and recognize. Let's recognize our our patterns, and then drop into the heart, and then you know access that wisdom there. Um, I think just remembering those two things and creating a little bit of space will make such a difference in people's lives. Sweet. So let's see here. Miracle soup, twenty percent off the heart fluency training. Free trainings offered with Bruce. Um, I've got a amazing episode coming up. Holy bejeebles, people. I just got an email from um, a Course in Miracles teacher who is with the Living Miracles Center. Her name is Suzanne. What's her last name again? I forgot her last name right now. But anyway, so she's uh, she and David Hoffmeister, who have all, he is, man, he is like one of my most favorite spiritual teachers who has helped me so much with just unwinding from my conditioned mental prison. Um, she is, is sort of part of his group and she's agreed to be on a podcast and they have been working with a vision that I had a long time ago, which was 
integrating ayahuasca with Course of Miracles and plant medicines with Course of Miracles because they're so similar. And each time I have sat down in an ayahuasca ceremony, I have this like Course of Miracles download like every time. And it's like I, I fundamentally grasp Jesus's voice and, and the, the teachings from that text. It's almost like on a cellular level, they, they come alive. So um, I was like, dude, like there's something going on with this plant intelligence um, and, and Course of Miracles. Like how are these things intersect? They're not different. And then she emails me and she says, oh, wow, we're hosting a shaman from Peru, Andres Vila, and he also had this vision of integrating Course of Miracles and Ayahuasca. What? Are you kidding me, people? Oh, my God. So we're going to have a sweet chat. Um, I think it'll be out by next Monday. And um, yeah, I'm, it's going to be both of them, Susanna and Andres, and we're going to see where that thread leads us. This, this thread is just taking us to places you can never imagine, people. Um, stoked for you to be turning in, uh, tuning in. Stoked for all this to be happening. Um, and I'm stoked that you are so excited about pushing that review um, and in writing a little review. You just scroll down on your little, you know, little like podcast player and just say something you know, even if you hate it, say you hate it, say this sucks. I don't care. <laughs> Write a review. It really helps build momentum so other people can be exposed to this work. Um, I think people like Bruce, people like Susanna, people like Paul, I think these messages are just, they just, they just need to enter our, our like more mainstream collective conversation. I want to get this kind of frequency into people's heads so that, um, we can turn this trajectory around and create a more sustainable and loving and gentle world for our children. Like it's getting too much. There's too much craziness. Like let's turn it around folks. Um, so anyway, also if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, do so. It will radically enhance your life because these interviews are radically life enhancing. I hope that I'm not too goofy today. I don't know why it is. I'm just feeling a little goofed up. Um, maybe it's because maybe it's because post eclipse eclipse apocalypse. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna quit now while I'm ahead. And I love you all. Um, any questions, comments? You want to be at a guest? Please email me. Email is in the show notes. You are all amazing. Have a beautiful week. Aloha.